All right. So, hello, everyone. This is Quanzel Wyatt, the host of the Tell Your Story podcast. Today, with uh, how, how, how do you pronounce your name? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no worries. It's Nina Corcoran. Oh, all right. Nina, Cor- Nina Corcoran. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nina Cor- Corcoran. Uh, and she is today's guest today. Um, this is a recorded podcast, not a live podcast. Um, so um, just so just to help make things a little bit easier. And I also know too, a lot of people can't like see these episodes too uh, during the afternoons and stuff. So this is just will be easier for everyone, including me and myself too. Um, and, you know, uh, and being able to, you know, again, get this out to as many people as possible within like their own schedules and stuff. So uh, with that said, introduce your introduce yourself to the uh, world and the uh, podcast and to the podcasting uh, viewers and listeners. All right. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nina Corcoran. I am the author of He Loves Me Not, which is a young adult fiction novel aiming to shed a light on toxic relationships and teen dating violence. Um, I have been a police officer for about a decade, and I am also a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault. So I am aiming to speak out and let people know what's going on behind the closed doors. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, where can people find your book? Um, You can pretty much find my book anywhere that books are sold online. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target has it as well. So yeah, anywhere. Uh, Yeah. So guys, check out her book when you get the chance. Uh, Like, uh, as she said, it's available anywhere that sells books, including Target. So believe it or not. So if you you still go out to Target for books, off the target <laughs> um so uh with that said uh let's um get on to it so um at you know we talked a little bit before and you mentioned um being a, a former police officer for 10 years so um explain to explain to the uh viewers and listeners of, of your experience um especially as a as a victim of domestic of domestic violence and how that and how that uh like change how that uh, role sort of change and how you sort of like see things, um, especially um, you want to speak out um, and, and sharing your story with, you know, everyone to help, you know, help others be able to share their story too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, becoming a police officer was what I knew I always wanted to do. Um, even though I technically went to school for English because that was my passion, I knew that when I got out of school, I was gonna go into law enforcement. It kind of like ran in my family. So, um, you know, I headed out after, after graduating and I became a police officer in a small town in New Hampshire. And I absolutely loved what I did, but I was one of a very few female officers in the area. And I was the only one in my department. And so I felt a tremendous amount of pressure to just be this badass because I wanted my male counterparts to see me as an equal. So Mm -hmm. I always felt like I was working so much harder to be accepted than everybody else around me. I was constantly putting on like this extra brave face in whatever situation, because I never wanted anyone to look at me and say, you can't do this because you're a woman. Mm -hmm. So 
about three years into my police career, I responded to a call for domestic violence. And um, I would have considered myself a domestic violence expert as the female officer in my department. Those were the calls that I was sent to. I could mm -hmm. relate to the female victims because they felt comfortable talking to me. I just always ended up at those kind of situations. Mm -hmm. That was just kind of my role. And so here I am talking to this woman and I can just tell that, you know, what I'm saying is not getting through to her. And she is making all the excuses and saying all the things that you would expect. And um, it was just so frustrating to me. I was getting so frustrated because I wanted to help this woman and she was making it impossible for me. And so finally I, I had to leave and I was angry about that too, because I knew my hands as a law enforcement officer were tied. There's only so much I can do mm -hmm. without the victim's cooperation. And so I was frustrated and angry and I get back in my cruiser and I go to type up my notes, which is pretty standard after you um, leave a call and I'm typing. And I realized out of the blue that everything I was typing, all of my notes, I could have put my own name in front of it and it would have been a hundred percent still relevant. It was a hundred percent true. Mm. And that was a terrifying moment because I had met the man that I married when I was just 11 years old, we were the same age at the time we grew up together. Mm -hmm. And so this was a 15 year relationship that all of a sudden I was viewing through this light of realizing that it was toxic and it was dangerous. And I couldn't believe that I missed it. And I was absolutely completely embarrassed and ashamed to say that not only had I missed these signs, but mm -hmm. here I was a police officer supposed to be this total badass and um, you know, able to take care of other people and protect my fellow officers on the street and take care of everybody else's problems. And here I was missing the biggest problem in my own life and putting mm -hmm. myself in danger. So it was, it was traumatizing to realize and it was also really embarrassing and it it made it really hard to deal with because I was so embarrassed of having my coworkers and stuff find out because I thought they would judge me and I thought that they would think less of me because mm -hmm. of that victim label. I was terrified of having that label attached to me. Mm. So, um, wow, wow. Um, so with, with that said, um, what was the process then for you after that? Did you immediately go see someone? Um, then or talk to or talk to someone or or uh, what was that process like after you made that those initial like those initial like self awareness of like everything that you mentioned? So after I made my initial kind of realization, I went home and I looked for signs that I was wrong. You mm -hmm. know, I looked for anything that I could hold on to to say I'm overreacting or. Um, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I can't, I, obviously this is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so I went home and for several days, that's what I looked for. And instead of finding good signs to hang my hat on, I was mm -hmm. finding the opposite. You know, I was realizing that things were even worse off than, than I thought. And I felt really alone because I felt like I didn't have anyone to reach out to because I was afraid I mean, all my best friends were police officers and I was mm -hmm. afraid that if I told any of them that 
my whole career, everything I had worked for would crash down around me because now I was a victim, not a police officer. Mm. Now I was, now I was weak and where I was supposed to be strong, that kind of thing. And so it took several days of really gut-wrenching kind of depression to finally reach out to my, my very best friend, who is also a police officer and a male Mm -hmm. and say, I have a problem and I don't know what to do. And I was really prepared for him to basically turn around and be like, you're not the person I thought you were. So, you know, we're done here. Mm. But to my amazement and to his credit, he, that's not how he responded at all. And he was the picture perfect support system and, you know, turned right around and was like, okay, let's figure out a safe plan. Let's Mm -hmm. figure out what you need to do. Like, let's make, let's make this work. And that's exactly what I needed. But I was lucky because he was a trained police officer that's trained in domestic violence. Not everyone has that as their Mm -hmm. support system. So I know from talking to my own family later on that if I had reached out to one of them, I think it would have been really different because they wouldn't have known how to respond or Mm -hmm. what to say. And, and that's the struggle that so many other victims have is that they feel alone and they have no one to reach out to because their best friends are not trained police officers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, with that, with that said, uh, what do you think is best for, people for people who are not as trained with domestic domestic violence dispute as you know a trained uh, trained police officer um and sort of like tips of any of anything uh, whether it's you know reaching out to a police officer to like a caseworker um or you know just sending or just saying like hey like we can just set up a plan for you to just stay over at my place you know for like you know, for a good time being until we figure things out, you know, like what, 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 what could, what could be the best way for, for them until like a professional can come in and help like with the situation? So the first thing that I would say is the most crucial thing that a friend can do in that situation when someone reaches out to you in that moment of desperation is to be completely non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing that that person needs to hear in that moment is, more questions of are you sure or are you sure you're not um, overreacting or just any of those doubtful statements that's going to make them feel like they're making some sort of a mistake. Mm -hmm. The most important thing you can do is support them in whatever they want to do because Mm -hmm. most of these relationships the whole point is that the abuser is seeking control so the victim doesn't have any control. So if you try to step in and just run everything for them and control how they escape, you're really just putting them in more of a a victimization kind of spot. Mm -hmm. So what is best is to really take the judgment out of it. Don't even ask questions about, um, you know, are you sure about this? Are you sure about that? It should be, are you safe? And how do we get you safe? And what do you want to do? And really focus on whatever it is that they want to do. Don't push them towards making a report. Don't push Mm -hmm. them towards a counselor until they're ready. And that doesn't mean don't suggest it. Like, hey, do you think you want to talk to someone? Do you think this is your best option? But if they say no, not now or no, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, then you need to just support them in that decision. Because really what they need right then is just 
unfathomable support mm -hmm. because they they have already made the most difficult step and now they need a steady platform to help to stand on and you need to be that platform for them mm, that's, yeah yeah nuggets of wisdom folks <laughs> just think just you know you know be there for people you know that's big that's very big um especially especially if you're a guy too and you don't know how to even help like another female um just 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 and just really just be there and then figure out ways that you can like sort of like be that be that avenue for them too because um at the end of the day um we all need to we all want someone to be there for us um especially if you're going through some like really really hard times too and even if you don't know what to do um still still be able to be like okay like even though i don't know what to do i'm gonna figure it out figure and that's out okay to do. say too mm -hmm. i i don't think anyone would be offended if you tell them i don't i don't know how to help you but i will do whatever you need mm -hmm. you know i think that's a perfectly acceptable thing to say to someone and it still shows that you are supportive and that you want to do whatever you're just not sure. Mm -hmm. I think that is better than trying to force what you think is the best option onto mm -hmm. onto someone. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, and yeah, I should, yep, yeah, definitely should use a use better. <laughs> but no, no, uh, you're yeah. um, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and then I know for enough for me too, as like a guy, like I definitely do want to do my best to figure out like how to be there for other people, you know, whether you are like of the opposite sex, whether you are, you know, another person of color or you're from the LGBTQ community, you know, um, just, um, I'm always trying to think like about other people before me, um, especially because like I went through like a lot of times and like I never, like I'm not a victim myself of mental violence or uh, sexual assault or anything um but i know friends um who have been through um been through that or been through a lot um and and so for me um it definitely is important uh just to also like recognize like recognize like who i am and like where i'm at and, and sort of like this day and age of like okay i'm a guy in america <laughs> you know and more specifically like a, a young black guy in america um but um, I know like where my position is at, I at least have some power of measurable change that I can, um, but also like the power of just being there for people and being like, hey, if you need a shoulder cry on, like cry on my shoulder and, you know, let's talk this out and, you know, let's figure out what could be like the best, you know, and be respectful too of like the person too. Um, and understanding that it's a journey for, a lot of people um and it's and, a journey they don't want to go on alone and they don't want to mm -hmm. feel like they're alone so as long mm -hmm. as as long as you're letting them know that you're there for them i think that that is the first step because they mm -hmm. just they just want to feel like somebody has their back because it's a vulnerable time mm -hmm. yeah especially in this day and age of covid where we feel a lot more isolated even though we are starting slowly come back but delta variant permitting it could be you know it could, it could be different you never know of how these things turn out um but still it it was it's a very eye-opening thing just to see how much we need that social interaction um but most importantly that support system that's with the community 
um, and family that could that can be there for us without any sort of judgment whatsoever and just nothing but just pure love and just like hey I'm I like I want to do my best to help you out you know like tell me how I can do that so that way you know I can um and I think that and I think like that's the vision for anyone and everyone you know um and think it's it's definitely important um and um if that um and that so with that said after after your the initial talk with um your male co-worker um what what, what was then like the journey like for you at, after that point of am talking about the safe plan and talking about like how to like deal with this situation um and to sort of, sort of explain that and go through that um um, just uh, just so uh, people can understand uh, just what's that what's that like this um, having to meet with having to talk with a police officer who's trained in those sort of situations. So it was a long process for me and again it was embarrassing because I was living in fear of this man coming back you know everything that I did was based on was I going to run into him at the store? Was I going to um, run into him on the street? Was he going to show up at my house? Um, what was I going to do? Was I going to move so that he wouldn't know where I was? Like it was, there were all these decisions that needed to be made and it felt like they all needed to be made right, right away. Mm -hmm. um, so it was very overwhelming at first. And the very first thing was getting to a safe place. And so several friends of mine worked together to find a place where he wouldn't know where I was. Um, you know, we, I switched cars with a friend for a little while so that I was driving a different car so that um, I, because it sounds like paranoia, but when mm -hmm. you're in this situation, it's dangerous. And mm -hmm. when you're making that big step of leaving, that's the most dangerous time. And mm -hmm. so, you want to you want to say that you're not doing things because of him or because mm -hmm. of your abuser but you really are because every single step that you take is in order to make sure you're as safe as possible mm -hmm. and in doing that you're basically letting the person still run your life so for for me it was about 2 weeks where i worked out how i was going to get him out of the house and like, you know, all of that kind of stuff where mm -hmm. I stayed somewhere else and didn't feel safe. And then um, once that kind of official process of breaking, you know, actually mm -hmm. breaking the ties was done, it was a whole new world of now I don't feel safe because I just don't know, mm -hmm. you know, everything, everything was new at that point. And so, you know, I changed the locks on my house and I decided I didn't want to move because this is this was my home and I didn't want to mm -hmm. have to run away. And so I had to balance a lot of things because running away to me felt like giving in, but staying felt scary. And mm -hmm. so there was a lot of decisions that just needed to you just had to make one and go with it. Um, and so my friends luckily were very supportive. And so at first, you know, I had friends that would stay over while I was kind of getting used to my house being mm -hmm. mine again and things like that. 
and I got a dog, which was very cool. therapeutic and the best thing, the mm -hmm. best thing I ever did. But again, that was a personal decision that I, that I made. Um, and so it was just little things that I did for me mm -hmm. that helped. And then there came a point about a year in where I finally had to say, okay, I need to let go of some of these things that I'm doing because of him. Mm -hmm. So there was like, you know, I was taking a certain, um, route to work to avoid his work and avoid coming, you know, basically just driving past him kind of thing. And so it was like, okay, that's, I need to stop doing that because why, why am I going out of my way to avoid driving past his car and things like that? Like I had to make conscious decisions to put myself back in a regular world. Mm -hmm. And some of those things were really hard and it took a long time. Mm -hmm. And so now we're talking, it's been six years. And for the most part, I feel like I live my life normally and that I don't think about it other than when I'm trying to advocate and telling the story this way. And it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not the same anymore. Like before I, I was really uncomfortable telling the story. And now mm -hmm. I realize that the story has more power for me than it does for him kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but there's still those dark moments where, you know, you're having a bad day or something, you know, everything seems like it's going wrong or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. And when that little voice starts talking in the back of my head and saying like, you know, you can't do this or whatever it is, that mm -hmm. voice still sounds like him, even six years later, mm -hmm. you know, that, that voice that's telling me I'm not good enough. It will always maybe have his, his sarcastic, nasty tone to it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. But at the same time, it made me who I am and mm -hmm. I grew a lot from it. And I've come to this position where I can spread this message and I can talk about it. And, you know, they said, you know, you have to walk through hell, right? So, mm -hmm. so I've done it. I've already walked through hell. And now if I can save someone else from having to do that, mm -hmm. then maybe that's why I'm here. Awesome. Uh, so, um, so that leads into my next question then. Um, so with the book, tell, tell us a little bit more about, um, the book, um, and sort of where, where you like created, where, uh, where you like started writing and stuff like that too. Um, cause I imagine it, it was probably like a very cathartic experience to just being able to just write about your experience, but I can only imagine it was probably hard just to like sort of like dredge up a lot of those like feelings and those memories too um especially being able to just talk about it and write about it in a book um so explain a little bit more about that um and what that was like too uh having to like deal with like sort of like a lot of those feelings from like way back when um so i picked the young adult genre specifically because I wanted to write to my teenage self mm -hmm. because I truly believe that if someone had told me back when I was maybe not 11 but maybe 14 or 15 what a toxic relationship looked like and what mm -hmm. the red flags were maybe things would have been different maybe I would have recognized them maybe I would have put some things together that I didn't put together until I was 28 rather than, mm -hmm. um, you know, have to go that far. So I decided to write to that audience and it is a fiction book. This is, it's not based on my life in the mm -hmm. sense that I'm not the main character. The main character, you know, doesn't resemble me. And, mm -hmm. um, the, 
the male figure in this is nothing like um my significant other at the time like yeah. it's, it's fiction in that sense but <laughs> mm-hmm. all of the emotions are a hundred percent realistic and they mm-hmm. are all true and they there are it's real things that teens deal with when they're in toxic relationships there's mm-hmm. there's um it it deals with sexual assault it deals with sexual abuse like it deals with those things that are happening every day in high schools mm-hmm. but it deals with it so that maybe it's saves someone from dealing with that in high school mm-hmm. and it was it was cathartic for me to write because it did feel like I was doing good. It felt like, you know, if this, if this reaches one person, if it only reaches one person and it mm-hmm. makes it so that they're not a victim, then like that, it, everything was worth it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was hard. It was hard to write and it was hard to, to read it over and over and over as I edited and as I changed things around and whatnot. And to, mm-hmm. to know that, not only did this happen to me, but this is happening. And mm-hmm. there are people right now who are having those those feelings and having that struggle. And, you know, it's, that's emotional mm. in of itself. So it was both a really great experience to feel like I was putting something out there that might help someone, but it was also really hard, mostly because of the fact that it has to be out there. You know, mm-hmm. the very fact that we need it so badly is is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely doing this podcast, this is it was like it was definitely one of those like yeah, I want to give like like real victims and you know allies like a voice to be able to share their stories such as you have, um, and being able to you know also have a space where just like no different, it's just you know just being able to share your story um because i will honestly believe too and like you know your story can help you know inspire someone to share their story you know and be able to be like oh okay i am really like not alone and and actually it's like yeah like it's not us just saying like you're not alone like you are not alone um especially because you know like you said like this is something that is still going on um, you know, and it's still something that still needs to be talked about. Um, and so uh, being able to just do this too and being able to put it up in like Spotify and YouTube and stuff and, and being able to be like, okay, like even if I can be, if it, even if I'm dead, knock on wood, that I don't die, nearly dead. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like even if I die, what I like was able to post and do that will stay up forever, you know, um, especially if it could help just one person um, and, you know, help make things a, a little bit better, you know, not, it, it won't be better all the way, but, you know, just a little bit more better. Um, and so, and so with, so with that, um, how was, how, when, when, so when you lost the book, how was like reception? Uh, did you get like immediate traction afterward or, uh, or uh, no, or was it like a building up to that, um, to that eventuality of like, oh, okay, like it's cool. Um, so how, so how, so how received was your book when it was first, when it first like came out? So 
uh, I launched the book right at the end of June. So it's been out about two months now. And um, the reception that I've gotten from it is amazing. I have heard really great things about how so many people wish that this had been available when they were younger and mm -hmm. that, um, you know, they're sharing it with their children and things like that. I will admit for sure, I'm a writer and not a marketer. <laughs> so um, I am doing everything I can to try to get this book out as widely as possible, um, which is kind of how I ended up chatting with with you and, and mm -hmm. various people like that is, um, you know, just trying to reach audiences that might benefit from hearing mm -hmm. my story or from reading my book. And um, the reception has been great. I just don't know how to get it is to as many people as yeah. possible. Um, mm -hmm. But I have, you know, I've been blessed to, to get really great reviews on it so far. And I just, I want it to reach anyone that it could help. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is, it is, especially when there's so many eyeballs and so many different places at once you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like this is a, I'm playing catch up. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is not right. This is unnatural. I need a break. I need a break. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, what's the what's the name of what's the name of your book? Uh, because I believe I I also didn't ask. Uh, and this is for like those that would be interested in wanting to check out your book. So listeners and viewers, listen closely to the title of the book if you would like to listen to it and watch it. I mean, read it. Wow. I'm great with words. <laughs> <laughs> the book is called He Loves Me Not. Um, it is available on Amazon and um, basically anywhere else, including my website, which is just my first and last name. Um, and it's by Nina Corcoran. And I hope that it reaches more people that might benefit from it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so um, so um, was that... Um, you said you also are doing like advocacy and stuff too. So have you been, you know, going to like a lot of like speaking engagements then uh, to like talk to like a wide audience or how has that been for you, especially with like, you know, COVID and everything and having to deal with like the uh, restrictions and social distancing, uh, social distancing and stuff. So things were going a lot better. Um, I have, um, booked with some local schools and things like that to try to get in in front of the actual kids that I'm trying to reach. Mm -hmm. um, those things got canceled last year, but hopefully are on for, for this coming fall. Mm -hmm. um, I, right before COVID, had developed a, a class, a safety class for young women and, and, and women. And I developed that to be something that was done in person. And then of mm -hmm. course COVID happened. So I have um, spent the last couple of months uh, recording that and getting mm -hmm. that prepared to be an online course instead of an in-person course. So that should be launching uh, hopefully by the end of this month. And awesome. just, um, just various like educational things wherever I can spread the actual like what is behind domestic violence and sexual assault and all of those definitions because those are the things that you don't know mm -hmm. until you know them and so if we can teach those early enough that you don't have to learn them firsthand mm -hmm. like that's that's really an important first step mm -hmm. so I also I just 
um, launched my podcast, which is also called He Loves Me Not. And um, that's, I do a lot of just educational um, kind of stuff around domestic violence and sexual assault. Awesome. Awesome. You hear that, folks? She also has a podcast. So don't go just listen to my podcast. Listen to hers, too, as well. Um, you might get some very valuable insight from her, too. Um, and she's doing pretty awesome, amazing things. So go support, like her stuff, support, support, support. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is awesome. Just hearing you do all these like awesome things too, and like that, and using like the platform that you have to you know be a voice for like so many like young women and women, um, and just being able to uh, you know put yourself out there, um, and I think it's very ad admirable. Yes, admirable. Okay, there we go. Yes, admirable. Um, and you know. Um, yeah, it, and you are a badass. <laughs> you, are, you are a badass. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And, you know, I, I also admire what you're doing. And I think that this is a great space for telling stories and for getting that word out. Because the only way that we can learn from each other is if we talk about it. And if we are mm -hmm. all keeping silent and afraid to talk about things, then things are just going to keep repeating themselves and keep happening. So mm -hmm. I think it's great that you've, you've created this space where people can, can share like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying my best. I, I'm trying my best. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things for, you know, each, as I get, get to more doing this, hopefully like the improvement and quality of this, you know, of this, like, go is like bigger than me. Um, like I don't like I like I don't really like I don't even really like okay yes I cared about I guess I care about <laughs> uh getting paid <laughs> so also so also uh side note I also made a patreon so uh for this podcast so just for three dollars a month you can help me not only pay the bills but also make this like podcast a little bit better and stuff too so that's that's my call to action of today um but but no money like money aside if there was no money involved stuff like i just you know am happy to just even like impact the way that i can um and be able to like you know use my superpowers for good and you know be able to create a space um and especially seeing how many spaces aren't created for these sort of things and sort of and like being like okay i want to be able to create this space for this community of people, you know, just so that way, you know, again, they, you know, get that sense of community, but also definitely see like, you know, they're not alone and they could help and lean on to one another too. Um, because just is this, the issues of, you know, sexual assault, domestic violence, you know, whatever you can, uh, you know, whatever you label it as is a, is a systemic issue that has been going on for a long time. And, you know, hasn't really been, hasn't really, you know, things haven't really been done to really, you know, change the things within our own communities, our own businesses, or anything like that, too. Um, so, yeah, like, just being able to still talk about this um, and talking about this still, like, it, it, it can sound annoying hearing the same things over again, but, you know, repetition is key. So if you hear it every, like, every, again, again, and again, and again, it eventually, like, hit, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, yeah, I, I, I have to be this thing um and actually be aware of it um but you know it's 
it's because again this is still affecting people this is still affecting everyone it doesn't matter whether you're young old um male female um part of the lgbtq community person of color like this affects everyone um but it takes everyone to also help make the changes possible too um because we also have that power too but you know life happens we can't do you know a lot of things too because you know life happens where we have to worry about how to pay for rent you know within the next month or you know how we can find like more money or having health concerns or anything like that um you know it's 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 knowing that like you know at the end of the day like there are people out there that are trying and that are doing their best to help uh and that and that there are people that also need help too um so it's it's you know figuring out what what you yourself can do um and like the areas that you're at too and realizing too like at the end of the day like if, if as long as you're trying like that's that's totally fine like we're not we're not we're human we're not perfect animals we are we're gonna fluff up we're gonna make mistakes um but um at the end of the day as long as you're trying to do your best like compared to yesterday then you're already winning <laughs> you know and then you're you're also already even more of a winner too if you're a decent fucking human being too <laughs> exactly don't be a shitty person yes don't be don't be a shitty person it costs zero zero dollars to be a decent person decent exactly person. um but um with that said um do you, before uh, logging off do you have any last comments to our listeners and viewers um on anything uh you know with uh whether you have like a new book another speaking engagement or even just advice in general and just for like for everyone that's listening and viewing uh, this podcast i would just say don't stop talking you know don't hide behind the silence just we can't change anything if if we're hiding so speak out when you see an issue and the more we talk about them the better chance we have at getting those things changed yes ma'am yes ma'am and that right there folks is great 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 advice <laughs> to hear from nina corcoran did i say your name right <laughs> okay you yes did. yes yes cool cool because i i feel i will feel ultimately bad if i fuck up <laughs> the meaning <laughs> your, your name oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh but all right, guys, thank you guys for tuning in and viewing this. Uh, you can catch this podcast on the YouTube channel at the Tell Your Story podcast. Um, it's also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can listen and view podcasting, you know, because we all love listening to podcasts. I mean, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan became big, and we all, all love listening to that crazy bastard. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, definitely check. Check, uh, check out the podcast, especially the uh, first three episodes, and also follow the Facebook page too. Uh, so if you're watching this on YouTube, there'll probably be a link in the description below for that Facebook page. Uh, and then if you're listening, to, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can search it up. You can totally, you can just search it up on Facebook or search it up on YouTube. We have, we have phones. We have Google search. We can we can easily search this up in a matter of like a minute. It'll be you know you got this you got this 
it, you can just do it just sitting at home, just not typing. Um, but uh, that will be it for now. So see you later.